0: Hope everybody's uh, doing well. This is Beyond Sunday, and I'm sitting here with uh, Spencer McCush, and I'm sitting alongside of uh, Christian Burkhart.
1: And you are Todd nicewanger
0: I am Todd nicewanger I am. All and we're, we're glad to, to be with you all today mm-hmm. over, over the Internet. So uh, Beyond Sunday, what it is, is just this opportunity. For the three of us, we've been friends, all of us for a long time, relationships, we've been part of the same local church, but we do believe that God's word is not just meant to be something that we just read or or even discuss, but out of these friendships and relationships to, to figure out how to land it into the reality of our lives so that we might truly look more like Jesus, live more like Jesus. And so we're excited today to spend some time talking about the Great Commission mm-hmm. that Christians has been unpacking. Over the, the last couple of weeks, he started out, he kind of gave an overview of uh, verses 16, uh, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Mm-hmm. And then this last week, he really centered in on verse 18 and just that statement where Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And specifically, you focused in on that idea of, of power. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of laid it out, no doubt, within um, the within the message that you were preaching, but maybe, maybe just remind us again, like, why is this so important that we understand this whole concept of power and not only God specifically in the power that he has, the power that Jesus claimed, uh, but then even the power that we're to steward in light of this great commission. So yeah, help us kind of understand why is this so important?
1: Yeah. I, I think that we, we've talked about this a lot, even as we were getting ready for this series, that when we when you think Great Commission, I think for most of us, our mind immediately goes to verse 19, that statement, as you go, make disciples of all nations. That's the mission that Jesus has given us. We said, wow, no, what we really want to do is help ourselves, help us as a, as a church family to slow down. And remember what Jesus tells us to do in verse 19 is grounded in what he says of himself and what, what has been given to him, this idea of the authority given to Jesus over all of heaven and earth. That's the basis both for his, his authority to give us this command. And it also becomes the frame of reference of, of the way we carry out this mission. What does it mean to make disciples? Well, in many ways, it's to help people see the authority that Jesus has and understand and learn to live under the authority that Jesus has over all heaven and earth. And then we also were connecting it the dot with the other kind of great commission statement we see in Acts 1.8, that this one doesn't use the same word authority, but it uses this word power. Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And in that power, now you'll be my witnesses starting in the area where you're at in Jerusalem and onto the ends of the earth. And so at least I said, okay, the starting idea, if if we want to be faithful to this mission and understand what our mission is, we have to understand both what is this authority that Jesus claims and then what is this power that he shares with us. And we also have to understand that we all come from a, we all got baggage when it comes to the ideas of authority and power. Um, it's an inescapable reality in our world, but as much, actually, probably more often than we can point to examples of power and authority being used rightly that brings blessing and flourishing, we can point to also a lot of examples where power is used wrongly, where it, it brings injustice and suffering and, and h- huge conflict. And so at least the the big idea I was asking off the front end of my message is if If we all kind of, it seems like we're hardwired by experience and by the way we operate in relationships and what we see in the world, if we're all hardwired to think of power and often couple it with that word struggle, a power struggle, a tug of war, what if that itself is a twisted part of our understanding of what it means to use power or authority? And so what would it be like if power to operate where there wasn't struggle, where it wasn't a contest, where it wasn't a battle for supremacy and to exert will over others, what was it meant to look like? And so that was where she said, okay, well, let's let's step back. Let's set this in light of this big biblical story, which is something we we regularly practice here at Cornerstone. And just go, okay, how does that help us deal with the baggage, both on the good side and the negative side, to make sense out of what this authority is that Jesus claims, why it's good news he has that authority, and even why it's good news that he empowers us through the Spirit. But I think one of the big ideas was just the idea of the authority of Jesus and this call to make disciples given to a group of disciples means that a key part of our discipleship is being discipled by Jesus and understanding how to use authority rightly. It's a learning process for all of us. So that was kind of the, the big ideas I was going after with it.
2: I think it's interesting to go of, I mean... Of all the things that we can talk about, I think this is one that has so much cultural relevance. Right? Yeah, because there is very much. I mean, I suppose everything has a worldly understanding, and then a like a like to use your language there or our language. You know, that's something that's that's part of the biblical story and kind of mm-hmm. what God's intention was in that. But when I think of authority and power, I think most of us at Cornerstone probably are struggling with being influenced by the world's understanding of authority and the world's approach to power. So to recognize, as you you were laying out, that idea of, oh, no, no, like there is a proper God-intended understanding of authority and power, Mm -hmm. and that is very, very different than the way our society or our culture actually approaches it.
1: But if we think of it just as a cognitive, as as an informational thing, oh, if I can just understand the Bible's idea of authority, there we go, it's good. Now I've got the right information and I can use it appropriately. Well, good. That's the first step to kind of develop a biblical concept of power. But now to build the discipline of learning together with others how to do that, learning through failure, going, oh, gosh, yeah, I, I started playing tug of war with you over that. I, I stepped into a wrong way of using this. that I think is a place where, again, like we've talked about often, those three orthos come together of orthodoxy. We want to have a right understanding of it. Orthopathy, our hearts need to, to we the desires of our hearts need to be conformed to Jesus's picture of power and authority that brings rest and blessing. And then we need that discipline, that orthopathy. Praxy idea of, okay, now let's begin to walk in this way together. And that's where for me, I kept coming back to Matthew 11, Jesus's words in Matthew 11, all things have been handed over to me by the father. And so come find rest in me, take my yoke of authority upon you and learn from me. Let me teach you how to use power differently.
0: All right. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk through how, how Jesus Well, even the the Bible as a whole views this idea of authority and power and really learn like what does it look like, how to make it a part of our lives and our relationships together. So that's what we'll explore next. Okay, so obviously you took in, like you said, you you kind of wrapped it into the biblical story to make sure that we understood kind of from beginning to end uh, God's, not only how how God in him in and of himself uh, authority comes out to bear in his creation, but yeah. then how also humanity was intended to, to to engage with authority. But in this context, <clears throat> which is Matthew, Jesus obviously, uh, his authority over death is shown, mm-hmm. which is kind of the, what you laid out the week before, just that championing of the of the ultimate enemy that stood against God in that in that way. Um, obviously, we have the disciples showing up in, in Matthew 16, because he told them to, Matthew mm-hmm. 17, some worship, some doubted. And we kind of talk all around that. And then we do lay out this idea of this incredible statement that he makes about all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Mm-hmm. But maybe now help us to kind of understand, maybe a little bit past even, maybe some of the things you laid out. Yeah. Like help us see this, especially in Matthew 28. I'd love mm-hmm. to kind of see how do you land this even more within Matthew 28 and the importance of just power and authority.
1: Yeah, I I do think that a word that kept getting bigger in my mind as I looked at this statement of Jesus in Matthew 28, 18, is this word given. All authority has been given to me, Right because i i do think that that's something even just that phrase of something given not taken not seized challenges the typical way that we think about power and, and, and authority i even think there's a hearkening back to the creation narrative there of the the authority the power of god on display in creation and creating this world that's full of beauty and life and and then creating these humans and let, he says, let them have dominion, like gives them this sense of authority. Matthew, uh, Psalm 8 is another really powerful place where you see this, where even the psalmist is saying, I look at the heavens and I see the stars and the work of your hand. I mean, even now this week, that James Webb satellite just, or te- telescope just starts sending Great. back stuff. You're even seeing the way that, that light from distant galaxies is bent around other galaxies. So what we see, and it's just, is so vast and huge. And what the psalmist says is, how do we even matter to you, right? What is man that you're even mindful of? him? And then he says, yet you've crowned him with glory and honor and given him authority over the works of your hands, right? Like there is this reality that that who we are as humans, the power that we exercise as image bearers of God, it's not due to a long process of survival of the fittest. This isn't just that humans became the apex predator, became the alpha species, and now rule over others. This was a given reality to humanity from the beginning. And that flows into the the insidiousness of the serpent's temptation in Genesis 3, because in his temptation is take, take what you haven't been given. And so I guess I just, I see that thread throughout all of it, that, that even the, the, the contest, well, again, whether on the family level, national level and em- empires throughout world history, it's a contest, it's seizing, it is survival of the fittest and the strongest and all of that. And then that's why I think Daniel seven became such a huge thing to me when I was studying through this too, is again, you see this parade of these beastly human rulers who take and take and destroy and crush and then God brings judgment on that and then gives the kingdom to this one called the son of man, this one who re- appears refreshingly human in that vision. And I think even like Spencer, in our last podcast, you made mention of that, that phrase, the statement of Jesus, at the end of Luke where before Jesus uh, ascends there, he says, wait in Jerusalem and tell your clothes with power from on high. Don't try to go do this mission of witness and discipleship on your own power. Wait till you're given power. And then, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That I think even in, in that regard, a, a, a really important starting point for us is that if I operate in any sphere of, well, again, my role as a husband, as a pastor, uh, father, if I operate that this is something that I need to take and exert rather than a, something that has been given to me to steward rightly, I think I'm already starting on the wrong foot in regard to power.
2: Yeah, I think something you said just a second ago—that um, power or authority is something that's been given to us. But why has it been given to us? Like, because I, I mean, I agree with you entirely. Yeah. But going, but I think it's don't stop there. Like, yeah. what? Why? Why have we been given that authority? And I think it's something you just use the word stewardship. We've been entrusted with positions of authority or influence or power. So that we can reflect God's authority. Yes. Because there is only one authority in creation, and that is the creator, right? Mm -hmm. It is God. And so as he has entrusted or given his authority to humanity in our various roles, when we exercise that authority properly we reflect God. It's not just something that he's given to us. He's given it to us for a purpose.
1: Yes, I agree. And I think that, again, that's that, I think that's the rhythm that you see in Genesis one with God's declaring things good, seeing things and calling them good. Like I talked about that, you know, Mm -hmm. using Andy Crouch's two categories of God making stuff and then making sense or assigning, uh, assigning significance and worth to it. Right. We see God is the one who calls things good. And then, what's the name of that tree in the garden that he tells him not to eat from? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It, it, it seems to represent this, this, this attempt to, or the presumptuousness to now determine good and evil for ourselves, to, to assign our own value to things, rather than following in the footsteps of God and what He says is good. So I, I I would totally agree with you. I think that's the 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 core idea in this stewardship of power is okay. Am I is is this a free drawing artistic exercise where I can draw whatever comes to mind, or is there some subject matter in front of me that I'm supposed to faithfully replicate on the, the canvas of, of my life in the way that I, that I use power. And I do think again, the, there is, there is freedom. There is creativity and innovation that humans are meant to exercise in the world. That's part of the authority that God's given to us, but in a way that acknowledges God's authority and seeks to, reflect him, put him on display, as we often talk about it, in the way that we carry it out. That's That becomes the determiner of whether we're using power or authority well is, does this look like God? Does it look like how God does things? And in
0: the way that he's asked us to. Yeah. Right. Right. Like I think sometimes when you think about like either maybe a role as a leader, an elder within a local church, we don't have carte blanche authority. Yeah. We only have authority in so much as God has defined authority to, again, it's given. It's not, we don't get to decide how authority gets carried out. We're completely held at bay in a good sense of the word in only those areas and places in which he's actually defined it and not past that. Same thing with every other, I think, Relationship that we have, that we have any type of an authority, mm-hmm. there is a there are boundaries to which that authority is to be used, and we can't, we're not supposed to exit outside of it. Yeah, stay in, stay in this this place in which you you reveal me well, but don't don't exit outside of it. I think is is crucial.
1: I think you're right. That's, I mean, so I guess maybe that's a, f- a first key way when we talk about the misuse of authority is if we overextend, we go outside the parameters that that we've been entrusted with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think so. <clears throat> Something that's helped me, like maybe just
2: bring a, a pretty complex thought to a very mm. like lower level for for people like me, um, is this this idea of what you're talking about about power being um, or authority being a stewardship. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's. A far reach for many of us. Like it's a really abstract thought, frankly. Uh-huh. And t- but then you go, "Oh no, no, we get this because if you think about it, like a babysitter, mm-hmm. like as a babysitter, are they are they the authority in my kid's life when my when I used to have baby? You know, my, yeah, now yeah. my kids are the babysitter. Yeah. Like, you know? But like when when somebody." Is the babysitter the authority? Well, in the absence of the parent, yes. Yes. But whose authority are they representing? Well, they're representing the parent's authority. Yes. The, the only reason that the babysitter has authority or influence over those kids is because the parents have given that to them for a season.
1: And even the, in giving it, there's a measure of trust bestowed. hundred yeah, en- percent. that right. care, right? But, yeah.
2: but I would just back it up a couple steps further and go, well, the only reason those parents have authority is because God has entrusted that to them. Yep. And so it's just this... It's this idea of we only have authority because it's something that God has given to us, Mm. not because we've taken it. You know, a babysitter doesn't take authority from the parents. But to represent the one
0: who's granted us authority.
1: Yeah, because if we misuse that authority, we answer to the one who entrusted us. (laughs) We are under theirs, right? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, think I, that was the deception that the serpent brought was, hey, and breaking out from under God's authority, you now become an authority unto yourself, no, you and like God, that's a forgery, man. Yeah. That's a that's a shell game. There's nothing there to it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So that's interesting. Okay. So place that into Matthew 28. Then, like, what do you think Jesus is doing? Why Why does he make that bold statement?
1: Yeah. I, I, again, I think there's a direct allusion back to Daniel seven okay. there. Jesus says, I'm the one that the ancient of days has given the authority, the, the dominion, the glory, the kingdom over all peoples and, and nations forever. I didn't seize it. I didn't take it from myself. It was, it's a given reality. I've been entrusted with this by my father. Um, I think we talked, we touched on this in the last podcast as well, as I do think that like, maybe as you know a kid who grew up in church, it's easy to go, well, of course, Jesus is God. Yeah, of course you can do that. Right. But no, no, this is Jesus as man entrusted with the authority that God intended for humanity to exercise and saying, it's been given to me. There, there is a writing, a redeeming of human authority in the person of Jesus that then he says on the basis of this, now that power has been returned to a right image bearer, an uncorrupted, unrebellious image bearer, make disciples of me, help people learn how to live in this new way of living as God's representatives under Jesus, this renewed way of of representing him. I do think that that's to me the the direct link between the authority statement in verse 18 and the command to make disciples of 19. They they flow from each other, Mm -hmm. call people to apprentice in this new way of life, this new way of exercising authority. Bring
0: them under my authority. Yes. And then exercise my authority in the way that, I've designed you to exercise my authority. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I think that's that dot you see connected in Daniel 7 between in the vision that Daniel sees rule given to this one like a son of man and then in the explanation of the vision this kingdom is given to the people of the saints of the most yeah, high. Is that 7:14 or? Yeah, it's or three places later on 14 18 and 27 yeah. I think is where it comes up. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Not to detract anything but just to add one yeah. more kind of facet on the diamond. I also don't think you can separate Matthew twenty-eight from the rest of Matthew.
1: One hundred percent. And I
2: don't think you guys are yeah, trying to do yeah. that. I'm just saying, like Matthew didn't just add this in, kind of as a kind of a detached allusion to Daniel. No. I mean, this is kind of born out of a narrative, you know, all throughout the book, where Jesus is clearly being portrayed as the king, as yes. the fulfillment of that forever king promise back in Second Samuel. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just going, I just think it seems the whole letter is leading. To the culmination to this of the yeah. thought,
0: right? Where it's like when we talk about authority, Jesus demonstrated not only authority, but authority rightly brought to bear, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Like, let me show you how it, it, this happens yeah. when the perfect one, the God man, comes and he lives this out in front of you. Yes. You know, whether we're talking the power plays of what Matthew 4, you know, in regard to Satan or even Matthew 3, but then how he, the wind, the sea, mm-hmm. the healing, the right, he showed authority in the way that it was supposed to be manifested yeah. as, as people. And then he now says, yeah, well, all authority. There it is. Like it's in me and you've seen mm-hmm. it. And so, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that last time too. If you see the gospel of Matthew is not only an account of the life of Jesus, but, um, a, a manual in and of itself of what does it look like to make disciples in the way of Jesus. You get to Matthew 28 and this command to do this amongst all nations. It's like, that's why I've given you this letter a faithful account of the ways in life of Jesus, the way his authority comes to bear. so now take this and 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 keep the story going, keep the pattern going,
0: yeah okay, so let's now let's let's land this thing because I think like to to your point, sometimes this can get up in the clouds a mm-hmm. little bit, and I think it is one of those things where you have to really go, okay, how do we land this into into the lives in which we live together, and so that's what we'll, that's what we'll do next. We'll try to land the plane a little bit. All right. So I, I felt like, in a in a pretty cool way, when you were when you were preaching, you were landing some things out there where I felt people could connect to. I was talking even with a guy after church where he was like, "Oh man, I needed to hear that as mm. a business owner." Yeah. And so he was kind of relating it back to me as one who had authority and power in his business and now he was wrestling through yeah oh wow I'm I'm trying to think through how do I how do I do this in the context of what I do. And so maybe maybe just could you kind of start us off a little bit and maybe how have you been thinking through landing this one, not only in your personal life, but maybe even as a shepherd as you walk with people, landing it in the lives of others.
1: Yeah, I I think that this at least the starting point for me was acknowledging that there's a blind spot there, even if I don't fully understand the blind spot, just going, Oh, that the a statement I made that I I definitely relate to myself as well is Jesus's way of using authority does not come naturally to any of us. Like I'm not going to be able to just roll out of bed and press play and know, and, and, and do this right. It's rightly, not organic right? as we always say. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's not going to happen naturally again, because I think as, as children of Adam and Eve, that, that we have those twisted hearts right we we are we are it, it is more natural for us to jockey for power to be insecure when we have authority it's it's more natural for us we 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 put bumper stickers on our on our cars that that have this truism of question authority as though that is uh, the the <laughs> It's an authoritative statement telling us that we should always question authority, right? that's what we've
0: right? lived in our whole lives. Exactly, right? I mean, it's like that constant jockeying for power since we were infants.
1: Yeah, and, and so I think there's that at least that, that humble posture I, I recognize I need to begin with, which is to go, I need to be a learner here. I, I can't just lay Jesus onto the backdrop of the way I naturally think about power. I need to ask him to give me the corrective lenses, right? Help me, help me reshape this. And so I think that's, that's at least the starting point for me is to go, do I acknowledge that I have much to learn and that I don't even know what I have to learn?
2: Can you pause there for a second? Yeah. Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't know if you realize the. I've got some cool backdrop music right yeah, now because this, is, the this is really like this is, this is the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's the moment right now because this is going to be this is going to be worthy of that music. That in the was altar call it, it really is. So every eye closed I, and head bowed my, right now. Yes, my head, um, my hand is raised. So, if you could hit the pause button just there, I don't know if you maybe you do realize the absolute like. That is a revolutionary oh. thought of going, I can't just assume that the way I am actually perceiving of authority and power is right. Mm. Like, let me actually just hit the pause button, because as I think about the last five years, 10 years at Cornerstone, my goodness, just that posture alone would probably cause us all to rethink and probably reimagine how things could have. And I think you're taking it a step further.
0: Not just that I might not be right, but in some ways, I should assume I'm wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it, right.
0: Like it's yeah. one thing to say, "Oh, I, I could be wrong." It's another thing to go, "Actually, I'm going to assume I'm pretty wrong here." <laughs>
2: yeah, the way I'm making sense of the world might not be right. In contrast to. The way I often think about and the way a lot of my friends often think about is, oh, no, I've got this figured out and let me tell you mm-hmm. what
1: we should do. Yeah. And and that especially when that leads to a um, an assertiveness, a a forcefulness with yes. others. Oh, I am so convinced of the rightness of my position that I will use yes. whatever means of force and energy at my disposal to bend you to my way of looking at things. Yes. Oh, gosh. Wow. Okay. I I need to, I need to step back. So I think at least for me, that's that place of going, I want to be, I want to be Ralph Macchio going, okay, if I need to paint the fence and wax the car a little bit and like not under, like, just go back to basics. Jesus, teach me afresh, like help me to go from page one of the gospel back through your life and just see the way that you do this differently. So I think it's that starting point, at least when you ask me, where where am I at in my own life? It's that. I want to go back to basics and go, okay, Jesus, help me to give me, give me fresh lenses to see this. And then I, again, the reason why I feel like I keep coming back to Matthew 11, you know, 27 through 30 there is Jesus says the outcome of his use of power in our lives is rest and refreshment for our souls. Okay, so in the areas of life right now where I have authority or a measure of power, do those under my authority, would they see it as something that brings rest and refreshment for their souls? So the, both the starting point I'm questioning and saying, Jesus, teach me, and the outcome of it, it, is, is the current way that I'm functioning, is it bringing rest and refreshment to those around me? Or am I sometimes the source of weariness, right? Like I think about what Colossians one or Colossians three in in the house codes where it talks about fathers don't exasperate exasperate your children. Don't provoke them to anger. Oh my gosh. I can see with my kids that has, that has become a, not all the time, but a regular habit. I think I can definitely see the pattern in my life that I have, used my authority as a father often to provoke my children to anger. And that was, Oh, okay. That that's out of line. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I, I need to take your yoke upon me and learn from you what it means to be gentle and lowly of heart, because in the current way I'm operating in the authority of my position as a father, I see, I see discouragement and, and provocation. Being way more a part of that recipe of what's coming out in my kids' lives than it should.
0: Now, be. before you go, Spencer, you I going to know, do a side yeah. note. So, for those of you under thirty-five, uh, Ralph Macchio is on Cobra Kai. <laughs> or if you're over thirty-five, Karate Kid. I just want to clarify so oh, that we understand yes. it was from the original yeah. Karate Kid
1: and the Punk High School Kid, not the Used Car Salesman. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, now that we've done that, now I'm back to you, Spencer. <laughs>
1: So many thoughts. We need Robin's music to bring yeah, us back. Exactly. To yes.
2: <laughs> um, it's a fascinating thing you just said about if those under my leadership are finding rest and refreshment, then I'm actually modeling or being a good steward of the authority God's entrusted to me. And if not, you you didn't go to the other side of the coin, though. (laughs) If they're not, that means I'm actually being a poor steward of the authority. I'm misusing the authority that's been entrusted to me.
1: And therefore misrepresenting God. Misrepresenting God.
2: I am not doing what God intended for me to do. I don't know that we actually have thought through that much as a culture or as a local church here in Simi Valley, Mm -hmm. that when those who are in our care are not refreshed or encouraged by the way that we exercise authority or even call others to authority, if it creates angst Mm -hmm. or frustration or fear Mm -hmm. or any of those things, it's not a good representation of the authority of God.
1: Absolutely. I think, but coupled with that is what we talked about Couple different podcasts ago of the the realities of confrontation. That sometimes the way that we use not just authoritative positions, but just the the authority that we share as siblings in Christ to sometimes to confront, to point out what's out of line, to to do that very thing of saying, because I want you to find rest and refreshment for your soul, I don't want to leave this unaddressed in your life, and that may create angst, that may create tension, that may put the relationship on edge but I know that my intent before God, as I've taken care of the log in my own eye before addressing the speck in yours, is that I am seeking your overall health and upbuilding in Christ. That's where I think that even in that way, that is the the outcome, is the intent that guides my methods. Even sometimes when there is the need for correction, when there is is the need for restraint, because sometimes the best way to love someone is to re- provide healthy restraint from them giving full vent to their desires. Which you know? will,
0: though, ultimately give them rest. Exactly. Right? And it gives the group rest. I mean, one of the guys that I was reading, it was super helpful for me, mm-hmm. where the way he framed this was from, to talk about creating environments like mm. are, are the environments that I create and he was just wrestling himself out yeah as a pastor is the environment of my church that that God has asked me to shepherd mm-hmm. does it create these environments in which people truly find like mm-hmm. that type of rest as a dad as a you know again whatever environments where God may have have to, truly asked me to steward authority what do those environments look like? Right. And and in some ways, right, definitely confronting creates tension, but the goal of creating the tension is on the backside of it, that we might live rightly in reflecting God. And when we as a group of people, either in authority or submission are reflecting God well, well, of course, we're going to find that unique rest under, yeah. under that yoke of Jesus. Yeah. But it's, I think like with that authority, man, just that has been so helpful to me, mm. like in is to go, gosh, what is is the environment that that the Lord has asked me to play a part of? Mm-hmm. Have I been faithful to create one in which people can rightly flourish to become who God intends them to be? Or have these environments been more of just, you know, you're, you're a pain in the neck, it mm-hmm. causing my day to go bad, and so I'm going to erupt with my authority
1: and use it mm-hmm. wrongly. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think...
2: I, I love where this conversation's going. It's almost like... um Section two is kind of the biblical ideal. This is like two B, <laughs> because we're kind of moving into the abstract again. So, how do you guys see this? Where you're creating places of rest and refreshment, or angst, fear, you know, and, you know, anxiety, whatnot? How do you see it playing out practically in Simi at Cornerstone Church? Like, just real practically. Like, where where do you go? Hey, here's where we can kind of kind of use a good kind of kick in the backside and go, hey, man, let's think through this a little bit.
0: Well, I think like one of them for me, when you're just talking like Cornerstone as a whole, and obviously...
2: Yeah, Cornerstone either as us as individuals as Cornerstone or Cornerstone as a church body. I
0: I think like one aspect is like proper stability. So let me me explain that. Hmm. Um, When we talk about discipleship, when we're unsure, when we don't know what's going on, that does not create rest. When it's haphazard, when there's lack of clarity, lack of an understanding... And so I think for me, there's just been a conviction that in some ways stability gets created when there's clarity. Mm-hmm. Like, do we even know what we're supposed to do? Are we working together? Is there? Um, and, and in some ways, like I think, too often discipleship, because it's so haphazard, it doesn't ever create a stability. It doesn't mm-hmm. create a right place for things to land. And I think that that's also true at my home. The that lack of clarity, lack of understanding, mm-hmm. lack of. Communication. I mean, there's this all these simple little tiny things that we think about that, in a weird way, I'm not using the authority entrusted to me yeah. to create places of stability. It it creates confusion. It creates angst. And so there's just stuff like that where, again, I know that's that's me sitting there reflecting on on my end of it. Mm-hmm. But I do think like one of the things authority does is it does create clarity. Mm-hmm. You, you you create clarity in the midst of the confusion. And I think this is even what it's interesting to me. When I think about Matthew 28, Mm -hmm. talk about a clarity statement. Yes. In case you were wondering, um, so I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Like, I just want to make sure that before I ask you to do what I'm going to do, I'm going to create this, this kind of space of, of clarity so that you understand clearly what we're talking about Mm -hmm. here. And then he lands in what he asks him to do later. But first he has to go, let's be clear. Mm-hmm. And and so I think like that's that's one area I think that me choosing in the authority that's been entrusted to me to seek to for greater clarity mm-hmm. oh. I think is one place that I've yeah. landed that and yeah. it again it includes at home with yeah. my kiddos like I yeah. I think sometimes we just we we rant and we rave if we're not careful as parents versus to like really create clarity like with our kiddos so that they can have stability Mm -hmm. so that they can find rest for their souls you know in that context and so yeah that's one place the lord's been really working at me
1: yeah i think that's i think that's really good i think um i think that that concept of like willfully opting out of the power struggle i think that's another thing that i i I would love to see us grow in as a church Mm -hmm. i think you know there's There's even people who, whether some still at Cornerstone, some have left Cornerstone in in part because we as elders did not use our authority enough to rile people up to fight for political, worldly authority. And I think that's a place to just speak clearly and say, like I said on Sunday, we don't need that. Yeah.
0: No, were we, were we given that? We, yeah.
1: And, and when we, when we feel like the church is not being faithful because it's not clamoring enough for political authority, I actually think that's, that demonstrates a lack of faith in the authority of Jesus and the power that he has given us through the spirit to go after the mission that he's given us of making disciples. So I do think in that way, we're not, we're not retreating from culture. We're not, when it comes some, some holy huddle in that way, but we don't, I, mean, I was talking with one guy, he was, it was, it was resonating with him in his workplace where he realized he goes, so many of the dynamics of my workplace is that fighting for scraps, fighting for any, he, he's like, I realize I've done that far too much in my workplace and need a whole different paradigm. What does it look like for me to be faithful in my job, but not join in the feeding frenzy that seems to dominate that. Right. And I think, I think that, that whole thing, like, what does it look like to, to, to not seek after the power that someone else has, but to learn the, the power that has been given to us through Jesus to operate differently. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's that sense of, um, we have to, we have to let go of what we've been trying to grab onto yeah. in order to create the space to realize what we already have.
0: And you don't know? you feel like, like, and again, from from my own marriage and counseling marriages, I think marriage is one of oh the places gosh. we need oh, to get rid of like huge. our, our quest for power. hmm like I mean, Robin and I were talking about it yesterday in the midst of sermon prep, just yeah. that reality that wow, that constant tug and war within so much of our counseling in the mm-hmm. past. Mm-hmm. Where you couldn't like and again, you see it in others. You don't see it in yourself, but I would just watch as there was like, you know, Gollum with his ring. They wouldn't <laughs> they wouldn't give up that that power because it was their precious, right? Mm-hmm. And you're and you're sitting there going, Drop it, just drop it. Like you you know, and you, you can't because it's like that's the way in which mm. they're making sense of the world and seeking to create for themselves a, a, a place of, in their own mind, security, um, yeah. things like that. So
1: marriage is huge. I've been reading through the, the gospel accounts as a family, and we're in the part of John where Jesus is on trial right before his crucifixion. And I think that part is just like my jaws dropped more just to see the way that, that Jesus didn't didn't feel any pressure to answer the charges or to contend for his position, right? Like, and that's what, that's what struck me is even in those places where I'm not clamming for clamoring for authority, that's not mine, but I'm actually seeking to operate in a position of authority that I have to be, to be aware of when there's an insecurity in that, when there's a sense of, oh, I got to hold on to what's mine to see in the example of Jesus. No, that, that, that sense of humble confidence.
0: That's not what the father asked me to do. Yeah. Like that's not in this whole th- thing in which I'm carrying out my role. Yeah. He didn't ask me to have a power struggle with the Roman government. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't ask me that. And so therefore, and again, it's back to what we talked about earlier. There's a boundary Yeah. that even Jesus in, is the perfect God, man. He lived inside of the will of his father. Mm-hmm. And in that moment says, you know, that's, that's cute. You think that like, <laughs> appreciate that you think that right now you're, you're in authority, Yeah. but actually, no, I'm not even going to play. I'm not going to play that game with you because that's not part of the will of the father. And, yeah. and so like in authority given to him. He lived so, it out, right?
1: So I think that the lesson that I'm I'm realizing in that is even in those those situations again as a father, husband, mm-hmm. or even as an elder here at Cornerstone, where I there is an authority entrusted to me to trust that it has been entrusted to me, and so therefore I don't have to contend for it. It's a given. It changes my whole posture. I'm now I'm no saying I, y- you can tug for this, but I don't need to tug back on this rope of authority. I can t- I can take a humble posture and just say, Okay, I'm I'm just seeking to figure out what brings rest and refreshment in this situation. Right. And just that like I, I realize how often the, the, the power struggle in my life comes from an a much more of an insecure place.
0: Oh, I think that's totally 100%. the
1: case. Oh my gosh. So
2: let me throw one out that's like total like you guys have been talking like church and family and stuff that's super spiritual I mean, they're like they're like <laughs>
0: what's well, what happens when you're us you know yeah, yeah. it's
2: that's hard quoi. to be so super yeah. so here's where i've been wrestling through this one in the last couple of years um i do a fair bit of coaching mm. like athletic coaching yeah. right so I'm, I'm 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 in the gym often with with kids and talking through sports and athletics and for a long time early in my coaching career i coached with a degree of power and authority that was really not consistent with a biblical principle, mm. right? I was the, I was the coach. I right. it was my program, and it was me had the dictating. Power, yeah. Oh yeah, I had the yeah. I was the the oh! whistle of power. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good line. <laughs> but all of a sudden, when I start thinking through the authority of Jesus and authority being entrusted to me mm-hmm. as a coach, no longer do I have to try to get athletes to do what I want. And no longer am I trying to make a name for myself, but I do view coaching as a way of putting the authority of God on display as I care for families, students, whatnot. And it absolutely has changed my posture and what I actually care about. I still care about performance, but it's very much how I, what I care about in my, engagement and involvement. Am I actually helping these families have a better understanding of who Jesus is through the everyday activity of playing a sport and going, oh my goodness, when I embody the authority of Jesus well, where I'm actually creating those environments of rest and refreshment, no longer is going to practice something that is dreadful because I'm afraid of what the coach might make me do or might embarrass me or I might yell at some or whatever it is. Right. Um, But it's a place of rest and refreshment and encouragement and going, man. But anyways, I just, just on a real practical side, this is just one of those areas in my life where I've gone, no, no, actually seeing the authority of God come to bear and shaping a very different thing that we don't talk about often. It's like how we engage in athletics, yeah. but it, it matters immensely. And I think it gives us a unique opportunity. So as I look at the great commission, I go, Oh yeah, the authority still Jesus is, and He has entrusted it to us. And I'm going to jump ahead of where we are currently, but and so as we're going, and whether it's going to be a teacher or a coach or a dad yes. or an elder in a church, as we're going, yeah, make disciples, yeah, make like this actually, actually, put the authority of Jesus on display, yeah, as you're going. So, anyways, which, that's just which, kind of which in I'm a in
0: cool a- way, right? Then we fulfill our purpose. Of displaying God of yeah image what there. you just what you, you
2: just way. said is a like a clarifying mission statement mm-hmm. it's pretty fascinating I was at a different church way up north in Northern California this last weekend and this is the salutation for the church this is the way they say goodbye they close every service every gathering whether it's large small they read the great commission because they go it's still relevant because it's not been finished Amen. <laughs> you know it's yeah. like but they start with the authority of Jesus and they make sure they establish it and it's just a good reminder of going oh yeah this,
0: this is good so um, All right, well, let's draw to a close here. But I would just say for all of you out there in your relationships that you share within Cornerstone, work this out. Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I think this is like the the beauty for me, and we'll, we'll talk about it next week when we begin to talk about what it means to make disciples. But even what Spencer was saying in regards to volleyball, what that means is the good lordship of Jesus goes into every facet Absolutely. of life. Yeah. There is no facet of life to which the lordship of Jesus can't enter. And bring flourishing and bring goodness and, and bring rest into it as the means of truly displaying God well. So I think
1: that's where that the two phrases in Matthew 11 and Matthew 28, we hold them together. Even as we go seeking to make disciples of all nations, we also come to Jesus to learn from him. Amen. Hold the two of those together.
0: Yeah. All right. That's a great place to put it there. So God bless you all. Thanks for joining us on Beyond Sunday. And uh, man, I pray that you take the amazing truths of God's word and you don't just talk about them or think about them, but that you, along with others, really bring them to bear within your life. So Mm -hmm. God bless you all. We'll see you.